environment. Everybody, welcome back to the Air Environment, and uh, we've got on the line, of course, your main <laughs> host. Yeah. I just hit the record button. That's what I'm here for. That's to hit the record button and to look so not at your audio. Ah, uh, you're my faithful companion, producer, and urban pastor, and all-around cool dude, Jamin Bradley. And she's our environmentalist scientist. <laughs> lives across the the sea the pond across the pond as they call it oh yeah that's what you guys say over there you guys say a lot of weird stuff over there <laughs> jody said you said something european the other day like without even thinking about it oh no my sisters tell me i do that a lot so you've been gone too long i've gone native that's gone right native. so what are we natively talking about today Oh, well, but, I mean, before we get into it, I want to talk about some science that's going on in the world today before we get into the main crux of our podcast. Because if we're going to talk about the air environment, then we have to talk about the environment. Makes sense. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, it's mostly referring to a, uh article I read about, it's from this place called IFL Science. I'll link it to our Twitter account, which we have because I'm so cool, uh, um, about uh, coral reef habitats and the worldwide depletion of coral reef habitats. New research. Sorry. No, My you're cat. fine. My cat is attacking the mic. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> Go. She just wants to be loved. I'm trying to air bud her and she's not listening. Oh, oh. that is the saddest reference. All right, continue. Oh, it's about coral reef habitats and how they're dying off. So it's not like a super positive <laughs> way to open. All viable cor coral reef habitats could be gone by the year 2100. And I know that sounds like a really long time from now but that's actually only 80 years away but yeah okay that's sooner than i thought yeah it's freaky isn't it uh i mean coral reefs are basically underwater rainforests and they're like homes and food sources for like a vast array of wildlife and their depletion is terrifying and like it sucks and we have to talk about it uh and that's pretty much all i have for the news is just that that is a really disturbing thing that i read today and I just wanted to share it with everybody. Aaron, you just said we had to talk about it. <laughs> All you said in your talking about it was it's going away and and that was it. That was all you said. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. That They're all going away. But we can do our part. Like trying to clean up beaches is great and combating pollution is also great. And it's important to continue those efforts. But at the end of the day, fighting climate breakdown is what we need to do in order to protect our corals and avoid, like, stressors on coral reefs and other habitats, which okay. is exactly what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
So I was going to ask, what do we do? I suppose you're going to get into that or you're just giving us bad news and that's the end of the podcast. No, no. Uh, uh, yeah. Turn it off. Go over. Um, no, what we can do as human beings and Christians is environmental stewardship. We need to take care of our earth because other creatures live here too. So we need to advocate for climate breakdown. Like it's a thing and we need to talk about it and more research needs to be put into helping things like the reefs and stopping so many greenhouse emissions. But that's something that like talking about it is important, but also go and clean your beach because pollution is bad and don't litter. That's fair. That's fair. So I have a question for you. Get into that. Mm-hmm. I know like, okay, from a biblical standpoint, there's no doubt about it. Like we were, were put here and told to take care of the earth. That's like literally a part of our purpose. Subdue it. Not in yeah. like a bad way, but subdue it. Like all the world was in Eden. We were put in God's temple of Eden. It's already good there. Now, as we are fruitful and multiply and people go into the rest of the earth, they should be cultivating it so it reflects something like Eden, like God's presence. So taking care of the earth is like obviously a a part of the like existence of who we are. Uh, So I know I get the biblical mandate and I know that there's a lot of fighting about, you know, whether or not the earth is in turmoil today or not. Do you see any... um, validity to anything where people are saying like we don't need to worry at all or do you uh just think that it's like a hundred percent kind of missing the mark uh yeah there's actually to me there's absolutely no validity in saying that we don't need to worry about the planet why why would people say that we don't need to worry then i guess i i I don't always look into that side that much because i uh a lot of people, when they talk about that we don't need to talk about environmental stewardship because the world, they look at it, is that the world's going to come and, and then I'm going to see my creator. So, and then the earth will no longer exist, so it won't matter, okay. is usually the way that they go at it. But that's not, we're called to be stewards of the earth and we're, you're basically being given a task and you're going, nah, because my shift ends in eight hours. So I'll just, I'll deal with it after that. Well, I think even biblically that doesn't match. Like, I do understand that one day God will make, like, new heavens and new earth, but, like, biblically the resurrected life is not a spiritual state up in the heavenlies. Right. Biblically the resurrection life is you put on a new body and you're given, like, the earth renewed back to Eden to come and live on it again. So it's not just dying and going to heaven. That's actually an intermediate state between coming back to a new earth and i don't know if that means like god will like completely start over or if he won't have to because he can work with some of the good stuff that's already here or how that works but i guess that's you know a lot of people's interpretation of revelation is just everything goes to hell in a handbasket whereas biblically i i think the actual point is no god's going to renew everything so the earth matters in the end as well it's not done away with so I don't know. I guess now I'm like beginning and end. If that's the purpose of not caring about the earth, I don't think there's a biblical understanding anywhere. I didn't know if there was maybe other reasons people push into not caring, I guess. Uh, 
don't know. That's that's my main one that I get a lot is that we don't need to worry about it because of Revelation. Yeah, it's not that's not thing. what Revelation's saying, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you have to read it the right way because at the end, there's still an Earth, right? So. Yeah, well, I also think that there's like there's lots of places in the Bible that tell us, hey, we're stewards of the Earth. Like who? Well, like when we're talking about stewardship, like we're talking about, like when I talk about stewardship, I'm speaking mostly about environmental stewardship, referring to the responsible use and protection of like our environment and around us and like conservation and whatever. But I know there's a theological version of stewardship Hmm. which um if you as the pastor would like to define for me the person who clearly already knows what that is and has a definition but i just want to make sure that you know it as well why don't you tell us aaron this is your podcast Mm, but i like having you on (laughs) uh i mean what what way are you looking to get into that i guess like stewardship like a lot talking- of people use it in church about like fundraising. So do they? Okay. We all need to be good stewards because the church needs your money. That's usually a lot of the ways it gets really. Oh, to. okay. I thought there's isn't there like a theological stewardship where it's like we are called to take care of one another and. Well, yeah, yeah. It goes into all territories. I'm oh, just, okay. I'm used to people using it in financial campaigns. Uh, be good uh, stewards of your money, that kind of thing. So okay, never mind. <laughs> when I my my like I mostly know it as like an environmental stewardship. So we're taking care of the earth. So that's interesting. I did not know that. But what I was saying is, there's a lot of examples of like us being stewards of the earth. And earlier you brought up like right at the beginning, like Genesis one twenty six says, and God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and the birds of the heavens and over livestock and over all the earth and over every keeping thing that lives on the earth. And that, like, dominion is also, we are in charge of it. Like, you could say that you have dominion over your children in some sense and that you're going to take care of them, though. You're no, not just, I'm just going to rule over them, Aaron. <laughs> you're not just going to let those poor kids waste away. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because that's how you are an actual... That's how you actually take care of something that you're put in charge of. Yeah. You care for it and make sure it's okay. And that's that's the very beginning of the Bible says that. And in Genesis 2, 15, the Lord took man to the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Like, he's there to take care of it. What's to say that once we left the Garden, that was no longer our purpose? Like he even in 19 and 20, he says, here's all the animals, give them names. We still do that. We still discover new species and then give the animals names. It's just Mm. it comes to us naturally as people. So we do. And those are only three examples all in Genesis about how we are stewards of the earth, how we should take care of it. Yeah, I, I think those and two in the context of, you know. That's Eden, and the point of being fruitful and multiply is to go into the rest of the earth and make it like Eden. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good implication of, obviously, stewardship goes along with that. Oh, yeah. Well, even Jesus, and this is maybe far-reaching because it was that parable of where they gave these people, 
the the what was it? Let's say the boss. The man gave his two employees money, and one buried it, and the other person went and made profit off of it. You can definitely take that and put that into the environment. Like, do you want to just take it, take what you can from it, or do nothing with it, or make it grow and more beautiful and improve? That way, all sorts of life can benefit from this one habitat that you've helped restore and create. Uh, yeah, even um, with what you just said, kind of like, you know, you just take or whatever from the earth. I, it reminds me of there's an expression that happens in the Adam and Eve story where uh, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Uh, there is this kind of expression of taking throughout uh, Genesis, which is meant to kind of reiterate what Eve did um, mm-hmm. where you're, you're just taking based on like what's good in your your own eyes instead of like kind of seeking for God's wisdom. Uh, And yeah. And I know that I'm kind of off tracking from where you were too, but uh, I think we, we see that played out in our lives every day, you know, like in a sense, all sin is us taking what is desirable and what seems right to us rather than searching for God's wisdom. And when we take, 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 you always see the other things in the stories like start to be abused and fall apart because of our taking. So yeah, I think, I think you could apply that too to what we do to the earth. Absolutely. And it definitely like people will look at trees cut down and they go, Oh, we can just plant more. And actually you can't just replace that woodland area that you've just cut down because there's things there that aren't there anymore. It's a habitat teeming with life. There's different levels and different ecological niches that are being met. And just by re just replanting a bunch of trees is not going to bring them back. Quick question on that though. Mm-hmm. I, uh, because I do a lot of writing and have a few books. I, I remember talking with, uh, um, I was at a, book event i was talking with a guy whose mm-hmm. job is to make paper and he was talking about how they try to do it in a um a good kind of beneficial way where like right. they create tree farms specifically for the purpose of of cutting them down to make papers yeah. they're always well, that's, planting that's and commercial work. that's commercial okay. forestry And that is a whole other area. I'm more talking about we know that massive amounts of the Amazon rainforest were like burnt to the ground. And some people are like, oh, well, they'll just replant it. And it's actually, no, that's like a rainforest is not just a bunch of trees. There's way more things happening there than Mm. just that. And also, yeah, you can't just like plant trees and help everything to grow back. Um, a commercial like forestry is usually like an area where this is all they do. They all just do that. There's usually not a lot of wildlife stuff going on yeah. as like an old growth pine forest, for instance. Yeah. Well, I think that's even good to hear because for me, like when I came, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it'd be nice if I could just do all digital books. But and then him being like, well, paper, actually, we, you know, we do it in a, in a good, smart kind of way. It's like, oh. I never realized you could do that, you know. Right, but not like all pine paper trees for Christmas. is produced in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
so yes it's good but it's it's a bit on the consumer and a bit on the manufacturer to mostly on the manufacturer to make sure they're producing paper in a sustainable way that way you have the right tools to make right decisions when you're out buying books or when you write books and you go i want it made on this type of paper and it's easy for the printer to find that Numbers 3533, you shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land that has shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. Now, this is more talking about, like, establishing cities of refuge for people who've accidentally killed someone, but also the word pollute is very interesting, because we talk about pollution a lot, and you shouldn't pollute the land in which you live. Even if it's not the exact application of taking care of the planet, like it's a good principle of us as stewards. God gives us instructions like be good stewards. And in this way, it's don't don't do these things. That's bad for the planet or bad for the land in which you're living. Yeah, I think even uh, like the animals that we're naming and whatnot in Genesis, a lot of people when they read like take dominion over it, they get this uh, implied power mm. like you can do whatever you want to these things you're better than them whereas like the implication is like you are the kings and queens of this planet meant to take yeah, care of a, these it's things it's a sovereignty and not yeah. it's not a tyranny <laughs> like, yeah no no king or queen that just like i'm in charge of you raw you know just like destroying it all and treating it like it's nothing like that's obviously not at all creation care or what eden would look like even in Eden, they were all vegetarians at the time, right? It wasn't until Noah where God was like, all right, you've all had burgers. I know you're never going back. So, <laughs> like, even at that point, whatever Dominion was, it wasn't eating the animals. So, that picture they were painting of, like, what life would have looked like if God would have had it was, like, everything living in harmony and whatnot. So yeah no i like a lot of people take dominion as like this oh i can do what i want with it but instead it's like you're a sovereign like you don't want somebody who's in charge of your life if we're talking about governments here to do things to hurt you and you, why would you want to do something else that you're sovereign over to hurt that yeah yeah unless a cat's rubbing on your microphone then you just might have to <laughs> take dominion it. over it Love it to death. Move it to another <laughs> lovingly. lovingly loving it to death. <laughs> that should be the slag the tagline of our the Air Environment podcast. Loving it to death? <laughs> Slowly loving the air environment to death. <laughs> oh gosh. Let's if not the make world it. says they're gonna let it die anyways, we'll do it with love. Oh goodness. <laughs> Well, and then one more verse that I have found. I have a lot of different uh, examples. Uh, I'm trying to address stewardship in a bunch of different like forms. So right now I'm trying to address it as who is a steward. And that would be us. 
kind of just like see where it goes from here like so who stewardship is for and it's for the planet and who are the stewards of the earth and that's us um and so the last thing that i found was from proverbs 27 18 whoever tends a tree will eat its fruit and he will guard his master and he who guards his master will be honored so this double proverb here the first half is what i want to look at is whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit but you have to I don't know if you have plants, but let me tell you, they are a lot of work. I have a bay leaf tree in my living room, and I almost killed it last year because I was overwatering it. And nothing just instilled me with more panic, realizing that I had almost murdered this tree that I actually actively used the leaves off of to make soup in the winter. And it's always cold here a little bit, so I really, really need soup. And it's just, like, you have to tend the things that are out here. Like, tend the land around you, because then you can benefit from it. A healthy earth is good for everyone. You'll have to give that uh, illustration to my mom, since she murders all plants that she has in her house. <laughs> Except cactuses. They last pretty well. Well, it's because you don't really have to water them. Shh, let her have this one. <laughs> She tries real hard, but everything that she has dies. Oh, boy. There's a book you might like. I think it's uh, Creation Care by one of the Moos. It's a theologian, though, so like them kind of showing the Bible where it where it shows us that we should care about this. Where is it? Creation Care, <clears throat> a biblical theology for life by Douglas J. Moo and Jonathan A. Moo. Yes, the Moose. I said it was one of them. It's both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, they're both uh, theologians, and they they get into a lot of what you're talking about, like what do Christians have to do with creation? How do we think biblically, theologically about creation? And mm -hmm. then they kind of dive in from there. Uh, and they even get into like new creation. What exactly is that? And God making it all new and whatnot. And so... If anybody really wants to dive down super deep into that topic and see why, like, even if you disagree with all the science facts or you think that it's all being made up for the sake of making money, like, here's where the Bible shows you that's not the case. Because I was like a lot of people growing up where I was just like, look, Revelation just says it's all just going to blow up. It doesn't really matter. You know, even if it even if it does blow up, like. Maybe that was the way God was going to have it happen because, <laughs> you know, like that, that, that's like, if you're reading Revelation in that light, I think it's easy to come to that conclusion. But if you're reading it 
where it shows like the new creation coming like god's going to be the the creator of that of course just as he was with the old creation but like that shows you like he cares about creation and he's not just doing away with it um but it also if you don't take care of the creation its effects are going to be felt widespread in different kind of sinful ways across the world you know yeah uh, it's like chocolate like you know chocolate is tasty but if you're eating it from the wrong sources you're actually endorsing slavery because it's it might very well be a slave that gathered that chocolate for you because like trees it wasn't ethically sourced or or whatever um and revelation actually talks into how we need to be careful about where our products are coming from because that can just kind of all um, feed the human trafficking industry and all that revelation actually kind of gets into that too so when you're looking at creation care it's like huh the effects you know a lot of times i think part of the reason people have a hard time getting it is because like well this might affect people generations down the road if we're still here when in reality it's like no actually we're affecting other people around the world like right now in this yes, moment we so. are feeling the effects of it right now the polar vortexes from last year are a great example of that so there are these cold polar air like pockets that cycle over the top of the earth and at the bottom. So you've got like pockets of air and the top one is wobbling. So when we get a polar vortex, it's actually that pocket of air wobbling down. And so we're just getting all that Arctic air because it's not stable. It's not cold enough. So it's not stable at the top anymore. Uh, the rampant wildfire wildfires we had in Australia this summer or summer this winter summer there are great another great example of that like they do have a fire season in the bush but this year was so bad because climate change climate breakdown it's just bad bad for the planet and we can we're feeling it now there's places in the Middle East that were once fertile farmland that are just desert now because there's no water there so we're already feeling the impacts of how we've taken care of the planet up until this point. Yeah. And maybe another analogy, and maybe my science is bad on this, I don't know. But I've just been thinking, like, I don't know. Cancer is just so widespread these days. You keep coming across it. It seems like no matter what we try to do to fix it, people keep finding it. But then I stop and I remember, and I'm sure you remember too, like, you used to go to a restaurant and it was just everywhere. You know, you had the smoking section, non-smoking yeah. section, but it didn't matter what side you were on. Like it was still everywhere. Still yeah, there's like not an, into the an invisible wall where the smoke yeah. stops. And, and when I stop and think about that now, it's like, when I think about the generations before me where everything was just smoke everywhere, like we're looking at the generation that came out of that now. And so many of them are, are dealing with cancer it's like well when you look at what you live through every day there's plenty of other people maybe you didn't smoke yourself but plenty of other people smoking thinking like these effects are only on me or not on others or if it's effects on others it's going to be down the road we are down the road now and you look at it it's like i wonder how much of this might be just second hand from lifestyle everywhere so yeah that's an excellent point just an analogy though it's just 
the very iconic, it's from Pocahontas, I'm sure very many things, ripples in a pool. You just make waves. So to cap up, we are stewards of the earth. Who are they? That's us. And the earth is who we have to be stewards of. Because we love the earth to death. Yes. Well, I did hear the story about an environmentalist in Scotland who went to live in a cave for 20 years. And after that, he figured out how the best way to get rid of rhododendron, which is an invasive non-native species here. So I could always just do that. Wait, how do you find the best way? By being a hermit, he found the best way? Uh, he was talking to one of his friends came to see him and he was talking to him and he was looking at a rhododendron bush and his technique, it's it's almost like learning a martial art because you have to be trained in it because he you look at the plant and then you think of the best way based on the way it's sitting and the best way to remove it. And it's a very physical way. And if you don't know the proper way, you can really hurt yourself. But it is very interesting. And I cannot uh-huh. remember his name right now, but I just thought he was a cool guy because he lived in a cave. Sounds like a wacko, Aaron. Just no. <laughs> cool man. Live in the dream. Every environmental scientist dream, living in a cave. Living in a cave, thinking about rhododendrons. <laughs> Maybe that is the slogan of this podcast. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to anyone who isn't me, because let's be honest, I will be listening to this later. Uh, just a quick plug for our Twitter account that I started two weeks ago. It's at Air Environment, that's E R I N V I R O N M E N T. Uh, it's not really much right now, but uh, I hope it grows into something. And if not, I can just get rid of it and use it for my own Twitter, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, uh, does that bring us to the end of this episode? Uh, I believe so. Unless you All have right. something weighing on your heart. I've already weighed out my heart all over the podcast. (laughs) So with that being said, it's episode two, the return of the air environment.